0: Welcome to Sound & Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound & Vision, Brian Alfred.
1: Matt Magnanelli is an artist working out of Brooklyn and is a graduate of the Rhode Island School of Design have been exhibited extensively throughout the United States and internationally with solo exhibitions at Richard Hellert Gallery in Los Angeles, Luce Gallery in Torino, Italy, and Dubner Modern in Lausanne. He's had two-person exhibitions at the Hole Gallery in New York and Anonymous Gallery in Mexico City. He was included in Lineup: explorations in linear abstraction at the SCAD Museum of Art in Savannah, and face-to-face selections from the Ernesto Esposito Collection at Palazzo Fusione in Salerno. He's exhibited with the Emmeringer McHenry Yoey Gallery in New York, Hollis Taggart Gallery in New York, Gallery Clemens Gunzer in Zurich, Dickinson Roundell Contemporary Istanbul with Dubner Modern, and Expo Chicago with Richard Heller Gallery, amongst others. He was awarded an artist grant from the Vermont Studio Center as an artist in residence, and has lectured at Parsons School of Design in New York. His work has been profiled and reviewed in Interview Magazine, SFAQ, Aujourd'hui, La Republica, Art Info, Paper Magazine, and was featured in Vice's video series, Art Talk. Matt is represented by Richard Heller Gallery in Los Angeles and Dubner Modern in Louisiana. I stopped by his Bushwick studio and we talked about scale and percussion, Coltrane and dad schedules, and much, much more. Here's our conversation. have a kid (laughs) which which through you got
0: thrown into that pool I did I am yeah yeah so how's that transition been it's been great yeah um yeah I I love it so much yeah yeah did anything
1: change so far like I for me it was definitely a the time thing yeah Yeah.
0: less hours to just mess around and that's true online and that's true yeah um yeah it's it's just condensed like it's just made me more efficient yeah um and so yeah and i'm trying not to work weekends right but it's uh
1: family time
0: yeah so some saturdays now but just make going um like during the week like you know nine to 5 36 um but yeah trying to leave a bit earlier mm-hmm. like so you can see her yeah. before bed and yeah, it's a big difference, you know. So, yeah. I mean, that, it's like, uh, I've, so I've tried to definitely trim back, like, working late. Right. You know, yeah. like, so which my, I think my start a lot earlier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that
1: naturally happens, though, right? Isn't that yeah. kind of like as you get older, yeah. you wake up earlier and go to sleep earlier? Yeah. I always laugh at, like, my parents, like, or not our parents, like, you know, of our generation like you know in-laws and parents and how they tend to go to sleep so early and then they wake up at like before the sun comes up yeah. this is like a natural it's almost like the older you get you revert back to being like an infant yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah it's amazing I mean I had uh I had kind of I'd started that like before well, before she was born like I was became an early riser yeah um, I guess that's after good. A, a while in the city, I mean, I was just, like, such a night owl. Yeah. Um, and then now, and then, like, even before she was born, like, I was up at, like, by six. Yeah. So now,
1: forcibly, I'm up at six. You have <laughs> an alarm clock that no. always goes off.
0: That's right. Yep. Yeah, it's
1: a, that's a new... But that's good that you transitioned to the, the morning person.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, so it's... um. Yeah, I, I'm... So I mean, I'm someone who has become like very efficient in the morning. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it is, um, yeah, like in a couple years ago, I started even getting into the studio by like 7.30 some mornings, like try to get in like 7.30 once a week. And like, there's just this, this, this certain, uh, you know, quietness. Yeah. Especially out here before the in- all the industry starts. Right. Um, it's really nice, you know. Yeah. And if you uh, can beat that in the commute, right? The commute's yeah. a little easier yeah. the earlier you get up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's um yeah, so it's just I don't know, yeah, it's changed it's changed that a lot. But yeah. um I don't know, it's just like you I've just been able to transition. Right. Fairly smoothly. Yeah. It's and, like uh hasn't like it certainly hasn't affected my production or yeah. anything. So I mean it's that's great. I mean,
1: I think I got more efficient. I had less time. Yeah. But then I realized that my time in the studio was, yeah, you know, really important. Yeah. And it wasn't going to stretch on till whenever I wanted it That's to right. stop. So I became more, right, right. Kind of focused. Yeah. You know, because sure. like in the days of the early internet when it was all so wonderful, yeah, you just yeah. sit on the computer while you're working, you know, like while paint's drying.
0: <laughs> so I've actually, like, you know, I, I don't know, I guess you can kind of see it in my painting, but, like, that I have, uh, you know, that I adhere to, like, certain systems. Yeah. That, like, there's certain systems, like, that I adhere to in my life, too. Yeah. It's, like, there's a certain level of rigidity. Right. To, like, I, how I, like, portion out my day. And, like, one of the things was that I never, I've never kept a computer in the studio. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: That's so smart. I
0: can't, like, I just can't do it. I don't know. So I tried to keep all of that kind of work, like till the evening yeah. Like when I get home, keep the laptop at home.
1: Yeah, but now you got this phone that does everything.
0: I know. But, <laughs> but like, not everything. Though, yeah, that's true. Know?
1: So it's like... There's no Photoshop on there. Well, yeah,
0: it's like you can't... Like, I don't know. It's like I have... Of course, everybody's getting, like, sucked in and lost to Instagram. Right. Or, you know, emails or whatever. But I try to keep Instagram, obviously, during the day. But yeah. it's like, yeah, the emails, like, any sort of work-related stuff, images stuff too at night yeah. to not lose that time in the studio and like um yeah I don't know I've just always like kept that like when I'm here like and it's like uh, I paint mm-hmm. and like I, I rarely draw in the studio either. yeah I try to draw at home draw on the road it's like so that when I'm here like I'm painting or stretching or priming yeah uh, like being physical because like that's how I kind of feel I don't know for me that's what the studio has always been where it's like my time here is like to be physical and to make to create, like making things. Yeah. Um and I try to I mean I make those This des- I make those decisions like I make decisions on the canvas here mm-hmm. and like have to think about painting, but it's like I'm in the process of painting. Like right. where the concept where I'm trying to be conceptual outside.
1: Yeah. And your work, although the systemic nature of it ties into a lot of ideas about connectivity or the world you know there's themes that run with the world but it is pretty hermetic in a way yeah like you've created your this process and a system of creating the image yeah I mean is that I guess that's kind of beneficial in a way to that kind of working because you know like I always have to have a laptop up or In in case I want to look at different images that are going to affect the way that I'm painting something, painting like if I'm painting a tree, right? You know what I mean? I want to look at a bunch of images, or I'll look at books. Certainly, yeah. But you've kind of got this. It's like, you know, it's hermetic. It's like it's your process.
0: Yeah, it's a pro, and um, yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, it's not image based, so to speak, and I mean uh, that. But those kind of decision, like I don't know, now even um, more so I try and make the decisions more about the paint mm-hmm. like as they become more painterly yeah. um, and as they've loosened up and try to really, uh, you know, that's where I'm trying to push the decision making process, like to keep, uh, you know, like the stroke um, and the energy um, that's going into each work. It, had,
1: it feels like the chaos was let in with some of the looseness. Yeah. You know? yes. So there's like a bound now before it was very orderly. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And now you've got that order, but you also have the sort of the chaos going over top of
0: it. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Just, um, I don't know, the, the works went pretty, it, they went as far as I could take them. For me, um, you know, with the process being wet sanded originally and just just making it as pristine as possible. And once I reached that point, that was like that was a personal challenge for me to make those works. And I love those works. But once I reached there, like to move forward, it sort of started to come back. It started coming back the other way because even as pristine as they became, there wasn't like a mechanical nature to the process like there wasn't tape there wasn't any guides like that so it was always freehand the hand was always so important to the work and so once I started like bringing it so once I I tried to you know let the hand come into those works more and that's this kind of evolution to where we are now where they've just really loosened up like quite a bit and um
1: But you were loose, because I've seen earlier work of yours from Mm -hmm. a long time ago. I mean, there was a control to it, but there was also a loose... Well, not... Yeah. I mean, you know, they weren't super tight. Yeah, right, right. But, I mean, well, how did that... So how does... How do you making these paintings today, like, how did that come out of how you grew up or, like, what you were looking at when you were a kid or growing up? Like, how does that relate? Or does it? You know... Um, Yeah,
0: it does, it does. Um... I think, I think less the imagery, mm-hmm. uh, more the paint handling, mm-hmm. because this is a way that I've handled paint pretty much, I mean, not my entire painting career, because I mean, I was, you know, when you're training and you're painting with oils and from life and that, but I was always making like a cartoon-based, kind of work that was like I was very interested in like hard edge color fields. Yeah. Um and that's like that just came naturally to me. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think I don't know. It was like so that's where these works came from. Yeah. Like and so that paint handling of this hard edge is still ever present in the works. And that's the way I've been handling yeah, paint for years and years, though the imagery and the way that it handles it has changed a lot. But
1: Were you a uh, paint inside the lines of the coloring book when you were a kid? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture them really, you know, tight and then yeah. kind of inside the line and then a minimal color palette. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you? And you li- kind of limit your your color, too, for as long as I've seen your work in person. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Um, that takes great...
0: Restraint. yeah it was i think a, i would imagine yeah right? yeah it was um it was my way of strip the distraction uh yeah. away from the works like i was making more colorful works and i started stripping down making uh, monochromes, and then just these singular like uh, white and uh, white and black uh you know and now just within the past year and a couple months maybe a year and a half now um Incorporating like this, this navy blue, that was like in gray, right? Yeah, in the gray. Or were Um, you always doing? I was making the gray. Yeah, I was making gray. Then it went strictly like just to the black and white, like the black on black, yeah, and the white on white. Um, and then yeah, I went to the black and white with that more high contrast. Uh, and then I've just started. I mean, within the past year and a half, like with these the blue and whites Mm -hmm. that was the first foray back into color. Um, And it seemed natural transition to me from the black, I mean, from a a black to a navy. You know, it's not that far of a stretch. Right. um, And, uh, you know, for me, you know, the the works are always have always been based in architectural elements, um, the urban landscape, those kind of uh, industrial facades like bricks, Mm -hmm. uh, roll down gates. And the color choice has always has been important that it relates to that. And I think that this so it was like the blue uh, feels really natural to that. It's it's the mailbox blue. Mm -hmm. It's the blue dumpster blue. Yeah. Um, It's still um, it's still a color that you see in utilitarian applications and it's like, that
1: it's that blue too that they paint those wooden fences outside of construction sites yes you know what i mean yeah. that they just pile that paint on over and over right and it's funny i didn't think of that until just now but the painting that you're doing underneath
0: where you leave the brush strokes yeah. and then you paint over it you get that feeling of the yeah the layering that's what it's it's influenced by actually yeah. they're um yeah the i just you know, you know as the paintings loosened back up and thinking more about these surfaces. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it was, I took a real interest in like utilitarian painting. Um, I love that. Like those surfaces of subway doors that have been repainted a hundred times as the paint builds up, those railings, uh, the sides of the staircases. Um, And I love that. And I think like that kind of, that surface that, naturally develops is mm-hmm. really interesting. Yeah. Um and it was also like this kind of feeling, like I think we see we're seeing more and more like in an uh you know, with the within like urban rehab, mm-hmm. like where things are just whitewashed, but there's still like that o- the the original surface is yeah. underneath that yeah. I always find like really nice. Right. It's like the history is not yeah it's kind of like covered but it's still there. Right. And so That, like, that surface telling a story is really interesting to me because I've, you know, I stop and uh, I was stopping the other day, it was a couple weeks ago now, like, watching them repaint, like, the walk and don't walk signs with, like, the uh, hockey stick brushes. Right, just and just slathering that enamel on yeah they just like, le- they just pile it on it's, it's it's just there's a beauty to it yeah. you know and like I love that that surface tells a story yeah. of like that that the city like has built that story right by like how many hands yeah um, and I, I don't know it just that, that that interests me and how paint you know, paint does that and, and what paint means outside of an academic sense. Like, yeah. I, and I love that. Uh, and I mean, I've been working with the enamels and house painting brushes uh, for a long time now. So, I mean, it's just kind of, yeah, it's it's, it's an evolution of that thinking.
1: Yeah. And then the, um, there's a real systemic kind of rhythm to it too with the the system you created. So you know, it's when I see these paintings, I feel like it, it feels like percussion and or like a drum machine. And there's actually some programs that you can use that kind of like map out percussion. It's very visual and it's based on like big beats and little beats. You know, and kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Um, what does does how does music come into your process at all, or like what's your influence and? You
0: um, know. I've been especially in these latest works. Um, I've been thinking because the new works have a combination of usually two shapes Mm -hmm. um, interacting with each other uh, which previously all of my works were limited to using one pattern one shape like within each work Yeah. Um, and then yeah these contain two um, and so these works have just become about that movement Mm -hmm. um, for me so Creating that kind of visual movement through the works has been what's been exciting to me, um, and then the second layer of that, with like the movement of the paint, that's yeah. um, that's more sporadic, and it's all happening. Uh, it's, it's important to me it's like the, that movement of like the splatter has become is all built up organically by like the uh, where the bu- paint bucket is placed mm-hmm. because they're all painted flat um, and I use a small brush that repeatedly has to go back over and over to the paint. And so as I'm pulling from the brush repeatedly from the paint, thus the splashes are happening and build up. And like that's how that's how it's developing. So it's like that. I mean, it's it's that thinking. It's the same thinking, like of painting that the walk the walk signs as they're pulling back forth and yeah. You're getting that. It's like a trace.
1: I mean, it's kind of Pollock esque, right? In that kind of yeah. With his drips, it's like in the sense of capturing movement. Movement process.
0: I guess less. they're a lot less intentional. Yeah. Like than those well, is like dance. Yeah. You know, right. Right.
1: It's like, you're just seeing his dancing around the, right. The canvas, but yours is a little more system, you know, it's like, yeah, it's as like, you're moving across right. and getting this thing done.
0: Systemic and chance. Yeah. Are like that, that the paint is doing its own thing. And as the, uh, you know, as I work throughout the day, the, as the paint dries mm-hmm. a bit, like with it'll thicken. Yeah. In the bucket, and, like, um, and so as that happens, like, the the way that it moves changes dramatically. Yeah. And so it's, like, this consistency plays a lot into the works. hmm Do you listen to music while you're painting? It's funny. Because um, you're a music guy, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. A bit. Not huge. Um, so it's funny. When I was, I mean, I was listening to NPR, like, 24-7. Mm-hmm. Um, in the other studio, um, when I've came here, I've just, it's, I've been really quiet. I've been working like a lot in silence. Yeah. Um, and then now, yeah, I'm listening t- to a bit more music here and there that, especially as I'm like doing like the, like painting in the shapes yeah. like, after. Cause they're, I think I work in silence a lot when it's outlined. I, you know I'll do the with the outline with the small brush but and then when I'm filling in the darker areas I've been listening to more music mm-hmm. um, and almost, yeah Coltrane Miles Davis a little Daft Punk mm-hmm. um, that kind of music but yeah, yeah a lot of jazz like Dave Brubeck right and yeah that's what I'm, I'm liking right now um,
1: I Lee can see that me. with jazz too it's I, I thought of that earlier it's you know in the evolution of jazz where you have this kind of structure the song structure yeah whether it's a standard or whether it's just you know the structure of the of the changes of a jazz song and then you have the improvisation that's happening over it yeah and this has that kind of struct. it feels like it has an underlying structure and then the improv is kind of like the brushstroke and the hand that's involved with it yeah you know? yes yeah, i mean it, it kind of relates but at the same time too i think of kind of like um like intelligent like jungle or something <laughs> because there's so many little blips and you yeah. know kind of like rhythmic moves in it yeah, yeah that it yeah. almost feels like automated in a way
0: yeah yeah
1: which is a, yeah. i would imagine a purposeful and nice kind of contrast this there's so much hand in it now there's so much it's handmade yeah but it is machine-like in a way yeah because it's mimicking right you know something that's industrial or that's like the references that you're making to things that are created by man. Yeah. Sorry. But are yeah. kind of, you know, removed from the illustration of like emotion or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. what do you, um, with with the size of your works and the shapes of your works, I mean, how does that relate to things too? Because a lot of them are kind of body, you yeah. know, scaled. Yeah. Like it's yeah. like a one-to-one yeah. I mean I know you do drawings and you work smaller and bigger and stuff, but it feels like a lot of a lot of the work is kind of like a one to one to the body.
0: Yeah. And um I've been thinking a lot about how um like the shapes are relating to the dimensions mm-hmm. of the canvas. Yeah. Um and so I was making a lot of vertical works and I've just made a couple of like panoramic style works. Like, oh really? Yeah. That um like uh yeah just shape has played has begun playing a larger role in them um, make some very narrow vertical canvases that you know mimic structure and, Yeah, uh, they have yeah they have a good feel to them like um, just cause yeah I think there's a that verticality and like using a vertical shape like within that and it's it's interesting what Compressing the dimensions does to motion, like yeah. within the within the frame, picture frame. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, that's really interested me, and uh, it's been a way. I mean, working in a repetitive nature, um, it, it's been a way for me to really explore like the shapes and these movements, yeah. like w- within like a minimalistic frame of mind.
1: They're like micro-shifts, yeah. right? Right, yeah. Because you have these, I mean, really, with that kind of rectangular, I don't know what you would call that, you know, that shape that you're using, there's so many different ways you could tweak that. Right. And as soon as you um, invite two shapes to the party, there's so many different interactions that can happen and ways that they can interplay. And I guess when you're changing the shape of the canvas, too, it's taking what seems like a minimal amount of information, but there's so many possibilities. Right. I was just uh, explaining to my son on the way to school today, he was asking about license plates. Yeah. And he's like, well, what if your number is the same as someone else's? And I said, well, if you're in the same state, they won't give you the same number. And then we were kind of talking about probability of, you know, only having seven, you know, uh, choices, but letters and numbers, but an infinite amount of, not infinite, but, you know, more than we need of amount of possibilities. It's kind of, it's mind-blowing. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think license plates were going to like, you know, correlate to what we're talking about today, but it's definitely happening. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, the license plates bring me to travel and uh, you've been able to sort of travel and and show your work in a lot of different places, including Europe. How's that been as far as, you know, and I, you know, I wonder, does that, influence your work at all when when you're traveling or seeing things you know when you're when going abroad Yeah,
0: certainly. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean I've been I've had the fortune of spending, you know, a decent amount of time in Italy. Yeah. And uh I mean those kind of frescoes and like mosaic of the church floors, like that renaissance painting, mm-hmm. I mean was a really a big part of my base. Um but Yeah, all of that cut marble, like, that inlay, like, Mm -hmm. certainly influenced the work. It's amazing, isn't
1: it? Like, when I first went to Verona, it was just a totally different
0: landscape, and it makes a huge impression. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time, uh, like, studying, like, those kind of you know, the altarpieces, the ceilings like that, uh, you know, and those trompe l'oeil effects yeah. like, um, that dated back to that. And I think like that's just that's a big part of the work. Mm-hmm. I mean, it relates to that. Do you have you traveled all over Italy or just yeah. certain places? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much all over. You yeah. spend a lot of
1: time. And do you have extended family there?
0: Yeah. In Rome. That's
1: cool. Yeah. So you, how often do you go?
0: Um, I haven't been. I was there a year and a half ago. Actually, no. Two years in April for a show in Torino. Yeah. Uh, so that was the last time I was there.
1: That's cool. Showing in the motherland. Yeah. <laughs> Did you? You so you had family that went to the show?
0: Oh, uh, like we had family. No, not that far? far north. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had a good family friend come up from Milan yeah. uh, for it, which was great. Yeah.
1: That's cool. But you've shown in other places in Europe too, right? Yeah, and in
0: Switzerland. Yeah. Did you get to go to that? Yeah, or? in Lausanne. Uh, which was great. Yeah, yeah. it's gorgeous. Switzerland's a gorgeous country.
1: Yeah, I've only been to Zurich, but I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, I've it's, been it's wanting great, to go yeah. back. The mountains, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's gorgeous,
0: and um, of in Lausanne's yeah. right on Lake Geneva. Yeah. It's just spectacular.
1: Man, and good food too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, well, especially Italy, I guess. Yeah,
1: Italy. It's and the, the best. <laughs> yeah, I need a coffee. Um, so the uh, yeah, and the other thing I wanted to ask too is, um, when you're when you're kind of evolving out of school, what were you making when you were in school? You know, like yeah, were you you said oil painting? You know, oh, I was, you,
0: yeah, I mean, some of that. I mean, towards the end, I was making more like colorful, hard edge, like cartoony style work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that just came out of things you were interested in looking at. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. All but you on. went through the standard kind of like beginning oil painting still lives and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. How was that? Definitely. Something Good. you loved or you hated?
0: No, I liked. I yeah. liked a lot, yeah. Um, I have, like, I mean, especially at RISD, like, there's that, that foundation year that yeah. you're forced into. I mean, which was... <laughs> you gotta
1: take it. Gotta do it. The foundations.
0: Um, which was great. I mean, I've always, like, uh, been drawing from life. I don't really anymore, but... Yeah. Um, especially in that time of life, I was, and you know, doing a lot of that. So, a lot of still lifes and... Yeah, but having that foundation uh, and that draftsmanship, it's it is crucial foundation for yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah. And obs observation,
1: yeah, like understanding the act of observing something and yeah. recording it. So in a way, when you're commuting here, you know, and traveling around the city, you're observing your environment, yeah. and obviously, it's it's common into work, right? You know, yeah, definitely. I'm always interested to. When people have work that seems pretty self-contained, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, usually their influences are pretty broad, you know. Yeah. Like, I only first started painting people. I didn't paint any people in my paintings for a really long time. And then I got annoyed that everyone would only bring up the same three or four artists that I must be into. But I was into all these other artists, you know. People just see the influence you know oh do you like minimalist abstract painters is that your thing but yeah you know so like who are some of the people that you're really into or that are you constantly looking it it, you know not just
0: what's going on today which we all do but like back to certain things and yeah certainly i mean um i've just been hugely influenced by the abex guys Mm -hmm. and um yeah that time period for me you know, it's been, it's just fascinating, I think, for a lot of people, yeah. obviously. But, um, yeah, that beginning of that type of painting, mm-hmm. like, and that European influence in New York. And, like, to me, I don't know, to me, that painting is so New York of that time period. Yeah. You know, and I love that. And I love that, um... You know that certain hustle to it. Yeah. You know, and yeah. uh, you know, just like the wear and the supplies. I mean, you know, I love that those utilitarian. that it. Goes back to that. Yeah. I mean, paint a, cans. Yeah. And yeah the house cans paint. and the the sail the canvas the sail cloth. Yeah. Um, and the house painting brushes and that whole you know everything that was so like avant-garde at the time right i mean that, mo- that shift and i just i love those works so i, I mean i love barnett newman stella yeah i mean like the stella works have been a huge influence on me yeah um and that you know those those materials he was using like those i mean obviously the black works for me are just magnificent right and uh Like Ad Reinhardt. Reinhardt. Yeah. Like all those black paintings. Yeah, that surface.
1: You can't photograph them. Gorgeous. You got to see them in person. I love that idea now, today, too. Yeah. You know, and that was happening back then, where I guess, you know, most of the time you're encountering work in person and reproductions are black and white, anyways. Right. But I love it now, too, the fact that you have to see those paintings in person. Yeah. To really get it. Like a Rothko. You know, it doesn't really speak to you unless you're there in person. Yeah. And I think that had an impact on us. I mean, when you were growing up, where where were the first big paintings or, like, where were the first um, museums that you went to? Do you remember that initial impact?
0: Yeah. I mean, I grew up going to RISD Museum Yeah, because it was right there yeah. um, from a very early age. So to see th- those were probably my earliest influences. And I mean... Uh, you know, and then going up to Boston too, mm-hmm. Museum of Fine Arts, Fine Arts and, yeah. um, which was great. And yeah, those were the earliest large works for sure.
1: Yeah. The Carnegie Museum in Pittsburgh had this owl held painting.
0: Oh, yeah, and really? They,
1: they hung it up over kind of like an archway. Like it was up, really, I remember it being really high. This thing was a monster painting, just gigantic. Wow. And it looked like you were in. Like Tetris or like some sort of it was like a yeah. day glow, kind of yeah. like geometric three D man. I just remember, it didn't even seem like a human could make that. Yeah. <laughs> you know Those what I mean? Great. Which is a, an awesome feeling of like, yeah. wow, that that's like some person made that thing. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's great. Yeah. Those are like the little moments that kind of you know. Yeah. Or at least for me, they were like, you know step starting stones for like the process. Yeah. And those held
0: paintings, it's like you uh, just totally different experience in person. Yeah. Like what you think when you see them on a screen or in a book. Yeah. Totally different. Yeah.
1: Kiefer does that too, because you'll, I remember seeing an Anselm Kiefer in a book first. Yeah. I mean like, that's crazy. It looks like he glued hay to the canvas, you know, that's wild. But then when you see them, they're enormous you know it's like a football field in front of you yeah and it's you can't help but have like you know some sort of moment with it have you ever done like a gigantic painting
0: not gigantic gigantic
1: but um have you ever been tempted to do it yeah it would take you a good long time yeah (laughs) you yeah. have to hire some people to help you out with that unless you scale um, up i guess you could scale up you no know?
0: it loses i never yeah, really scale. even when i scale down i don't really scale the shape down oh yeah yeah
1: that's true i guess they're roughly
0: yeah because the sh- the sizes are fixed
1: yeah they're kind of like hand there's like a relationship to the hand right yeah In it, a way.
0: yeah there's like um and i mean there's like uh yeah, they're all set sizes so mm-hmm. that they like fit and like piece together within each other. Yeah. yeah. Um, ah, they're modular,
1: in a way. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because they're all like, um, you know, they're all proportionate one way or another. Like how these these four smaller shapes fit within two of the larger shapes. Oh, yeah. So
1: it's like Fibonacci esque.
0: Yeah, they're all like you know two by three inches, two by six. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, you know, and I've loved to, mi- like, I've just had a fascination. You know, it was kind of, it's still something I adhere to fairly, strictly, but, like, I love, like, standard dimensions mm-hmm. of work. Yeah. And so, like, the 7260, 6048, 4836, like, and the shapes were fit within those. Yeah. I like I like I love
1: that. Isn't it funny the sort of arbitrary nature of the size of canvases yeah. that we do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean every once in a while there's something you need to make a small work for something yeah. or whatever. But generally it's pretty open. Like and yeah. you just come up with you know what? Uh seventy four by eighty six today, I think. <laughs> it's so weird. And for a long time I was making you know, I used to only make bigger paintings. I didn't like making small paintings. I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. And or I didn't know how to make a good small painting. Yeah, it's hard. They just felt like mini Right. Like non powerful big ones. I right. think I've learned over the years of how to to get better at that. Yeah. But um, I used to just make paintings so they would fit out of my door. <laughs> you know, like so I'd measure that diagonal yeah. and get it and know the width of the stretcher so I could get it as yeah. big as possible. With, without having to, like, do the full... Because every once in a while I do a giant yeah. one with the, the stretcher that collapses. Right, right. Which is a huge pain in the ass. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but it was like, oh, I could get this out my hallway and down yeah. out the door. Oh, that's amazing. And that was yeah. just kind of my, yeah. you know, my size. Sometimes it'd be a little longer, a little sh- little sure, less right. wide, but it was always that height was the max out.
0: Oh, that's funny. But yeah. that's a
1: utilitarian aspect yeah, of making a painting in a way.
0: Yeah, that really is. Yeah, the, um I mean, it's something else that's uh, really come into the studio is when I'm making works, I'm thinking about how they're going to be arranged in mm-hmm. exhibition. And sometimes I'm making works that are like paired yeah. together. I was making a lot of diptychs mm-hmm. before. Um, and but just that kind of helps me like to keep that, those dimensions like, I love to exhibit works, like, at the same dimensions, like, together. Yeah. Um, and it just... I don't know. It just has this kind of, like, it allows you to work through an idea. Mm-hmm. Like, it allows me, you know, at least to just, like, continue through an idea. Um,
1: and and it, doesn't it create,
0: like, a relationship?
1: Yeah. You know, definitely. it's, like, almost like the works are yeah. related.
0: Yeah. I think there's, like... Yeah, because when... um I don't know when I'm working for a show, I'm constantly thinking about like that dialogue that happens within the room mm-hmm. and what happens within like how those works are speaking to each other. Yeah. And so it's kind of changed my approach to even like with a group exhibition um, to just to have multiples that are like having their own mini dialogue, yeah. you know, and it was like, so uh like up in for the show in connecticut like i had three blue and whites like that hung on the wall together that are like yeah and there was a real dialogue between those um and like that's that's important to me that's entered into my head a lot in the studio was like how they how works will relate to the space that they're exhibited in and how they are speaking to each other
1: it's like bringing a friend to an opening yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're at least assured that relationship. Because, <laughs> you know, doesn't it suck to go to an opening by yourself? Yeah. And you just, uh, now I'm going to I, I have to talk to
0: someone. Like, I'm going to have to, you know, or you don't Body. have to, but sometimes I mean I yes I agree with you a hundred percent but I find in those times it, it forces me to like look at painting so yeah. closely oh yeah that's like oh uh, I've done that yeah, yeah. yeah so that's like where I throw myself into yeah um which I'm, can be hard in an opening because it's so packed yeah but I will really look at work I'll be that guy that gets right up in it yeah yeah just <laughs> stare at it
1: for 20 minutes and then wait for like you know a friend to show up yeah. so <laughs> Oh, man. The awkwardness of openings. But that's smart. See, if you bring two paintings to the party, (laughs) they have their own discussion so that you can kind of ignore, the if they really want to, you can ignore the rest of the show. That's funny. Have you done that a lot in group shows? Done, like, diptychs?
0: Yeah. Yeah, Or or just, like, yeah, works, like, related works that are designed, like, to hang together. So what did you come full circle. What did you put in the the highlight show in New Canaan? There were three 4836s mm-hmm. uh, that hung on the wall. And um, Were they kind of close? Does it look like a triptych in a way? Yeah, in a way. Um, yeah. I'll show you an image here. Um, I know we can't see this on the air. but Well, we can post a picture of it. Oh, yeah.
1: Can you send this to me so I can post it up?
0: Sure. Yeah, and um, yeah, so there was a certain, like, it, it, it again, just like what I was saying, like, there was a certain mindset, like, this idea that I was working through, and it was, for those works, it was three different types of motion. Yeah. It was a horizontal motion, a diagonal motion, and then a vertical motion. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to have those, to have that like that those kind of ideas like really interest me now to like there's like a narrative
1: mm-hmm.
0: like within yeah a small narrative between the orcs um. they look plugged in they look electric into reproduction <laughs> like in the photo um, yeah because it's just it's the yeah it's the high contrast of just yeah. the white um, well and they're oppy. they are oppy. yeah you know
1: there's a sort of different kind of perspective they're all frontal in a way but then they're architectural and there's these spaces that happen yeah do they i mean do you think about that at all whenever you make work of like how it's going to look in a photograph um that was hearing someone talk. i forget who it was but they were talking about how artists now are much more especially young artists Mm. are very aware of how the work is photo how it looks in a photograph because a lot of people are Getting to work out there through Instagram, or yeah, through, you know, a lot of, of it's viewed on a screen, yeah, yeah,
0: for sure. Um, yeah, for me, I mean, it's not something that's making a, des- a decision for me. Um, I have really strived to shoot good photographs. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm shooting my own images and editing my own images, like mm-hmm. for the, to make sure that that's they right. look how you want them. Yeah, right? yeah. Um and yeah it's that kind of control like over the image because a bad image of a great painting is a mediocre painting yeah (laughs) yeah on a screen
1: and a lot of people see it in a reproduction
0: and so um yeah i think that that it was something that definitely like i was making when i was making like the white on white works that were very difficult to photograph Mm -hmm. like um yeah and they're just they were soft they were soft work so yeah i don't think they tr- i don't think they translated to the screen mm-hmm. as well yeah but it wasn't something that was like informing a decision on the canvas yeah you did it wasn't yeah. like you weren't gonna do them but um yeah i mean with these like the higher contrast works with the blue the blue and whites i mean of course they're a lot easier to photograph and yeah. they display uh, display a screen well
1: Right. And right. You can even see, like in the photo you showed me from the show, you could see the, the drips. Yeah. Which I would imagine if it's a bigger piece and you get back from it, you can't really see that well. Yeah. But true. in that, you can really kind yeah. of see it, which is nice because you're getting the hand in there too. Yeah. Do you ever take details? So yeah. Can, yeah. So you could see that underpainting and how yeah, thick certainly. it is. Yeah. Isn't that frustrating? I feel like for a lot of the work that I've shown, people think it's like super flat or like really... Clean, yeah. but there's so much hand going on in there. But yeah. you just don't see
0: it unless you get to see it in person. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's something I've been thinking about actually a lot more. I've yeah. been um, I've been working with like a portrait lens mm-hmm. a little bit, and uh, like to really see that because, um, yeah, it changes. Uh, see, I think that's where the screen is. is coming into the studio mm-hmm. is through the like the, the reproductions. reproductions. Yeah. Um, because I think very much like, a, I'm starting to think very much about how someone experiences this painting like through yeah. a screen mm-hmm. like, again. And now when everyone's being emailed image at JPEGs, yeah. um, it's like, how are we going to portray this painting most accurately? And I think recently with these, these intimate details, mm-hmm. Like I mean just for myself I think I see it brings this pa- I was like there brings a whole another layer of life yeah. to, to the painting yeah and like view- the viewing of the painting like, right
1: yeah because oh, like what 90 to 95% of the people who see the work are not seeing it in person right Right. like you're encountering so much work these days
0: yeah in reproduction so it's really important I guess and just like I um, yeah so I, mean, I have a like I just oh, I mean I, I have a Deep love of like installation views. Yeah. Because of like they put a a work in, in a in place. Yeah. And place is so important.
1: And scale too, yeah. right? And scale, yeah. Because you could t- if you crop that photo that's you right. don't know if that's you have no idea. Thirty inches or True. sixty inches. You know? Yeah. I love doing I just always that's one thing too that sort of casual photos that we're so yeah. you know, it's so ubiquitous now. Yeah. But the nice thing is that it, it gives you a the context of, like, the floor or a screw in the wall so you can see how big things are. Yeah. Remember back in the day, people used to just have these in their lectures, like, scale shots where they put their finger next to the paint (laughs) 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 so you could kind of, you know, get a sense because otherwise you would have no idea. I think there was a a well-known Tom Friedman uh, piece. I don't know if it was a fly or the gum, the one where he rolls the gum in the corner or something, but there's one (laughs) shot... It has like a finger next to it so you can be like see that's how big it is like a roller or something yeah that's funny yeah, yeah
0: I mean it's uh, yeah it's cert- yeah it's certainly something yeah that plays a lot into these I mean into the images yeah it's, it's wild yeah for well, sure well
1: yeah these are definitely you know you gotta see them in person paintings like I think it really it's just another level
0: so what do you what's coming up for you Um just making some new works right now and uh, yeah, I don't have anything to announce yet. You're in the lab? I'm in the lab and just having some conversations. So I'm not committed to anything yet. Yeah. We'll see. I've just been trying to focus more back here in New York. Yeah. Right now. I was working a lot internationally and out in LA with Richard Heller. Right. Who I work with. Yeah. Um and yeah, I just like to you know i'm trying to make the right choices in new york
1: right home base
0: yeah it's
1: important well thanks for having me over uh a year a little over a year that's my fault (laughs) (laughs) we had been talking about it but it took a little while that's right but i think it's 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 nice to get back and check out this new space yeah the work looks great thanks Thanks for having me over yeah my pleasure thanks Find images of the artist's work, studios, and exhibitions on the podcast website, soundandvisionpodcast.com. The introduction, narration, and music was provided by Michael Lovett of Nazca Lines. All other music was made by Lullatone, based out of Nagoya, Japan. Sound and Vision is produced, edited, recorded, and organized by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find more about my work at paintchanger.com. Thanks for listening.